first of all, how long you been making music for? And uh, have you always gravitated towards making funk or have you experimented with other genres? I've been making music since 1987 on cassette tapes when I was in school. And um, I was a kid then just messing around after my dad told me you could take two tape decks and uh, hook it up to a mixer and bounce the tracks back and forth. I didn't even have a uh, four-track recorder. So I was just, you know, going back and forth, making joints. And I was heavily influenced by uh, groups like Prince and uh, Zap and P-Funk and Change and M2A and Kashif and Loose Ends and stuff like that. So, um, you know, of course, I have a hip-hop uh, background as well. Um, you know, I, I loved all the hip-hop that was coming up around that time, like, Marley Marl and, you know, Eric B and Rakim, Run DMC, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, for some reason, funk just, uh, you know, it was in my blood. It's basically, I think, why is because of the where I'm from. I'm from Pasadena, California, and we always uh, liked funk, even though we had hip-hop as well. So that, that's kind of like my background. Nice. So you mentioned you were used to get down on some older equipment. What's the... um? What's like the one piece of studio equipment that's most important to the Dame Funk sound? Um, I like old school keyboards and drum machines. Um, I never really kind of, I, I never got quite into sampling. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I, I consider it's an art form. You know, I respect it and it takes a lot to sample. And um, I just didn't have the patience to uh, work with uh, the Sakai uh, 9000. I think that's what it was called. I got it as a gift and um it was a um, standalone piece. It didn't have any uh, pads on it, but I just didn't dig it. You know, I just kind of made songs on my own. I mean, if if, if you want to put it into a, a more clear description, I, I basically sampled my mind. So mm. that's the way I went along with things uh, when when a lot of that music was happening at that time. Nice. Do you have a favorite drum machine by chance? Yeah, I like the Lind drum uh, and the LM1, also the Oberheim drum machines and. Mm. Uh, even the old Elisa's drum machines. A lot of people don't realize that the Elisa's drum machine was used on uh, D'Angelo's uh, uh, You're My Lady. So, what you know, model? a lot of those, the first one, the HR-16. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, some of that stuff, um, you know, still sounds good. And you can, you know, work it into music that you least expect. And, um, yeah, so those are some of my favorite drum machines. I have a lot, but, you know, the ones I named are my favorite. Peanut Butter Wolf found your music on MySpace. How, mm -hmm. how important has social media been in getting your music out, and what advice could you give to any artist trying to get an online buzz? I think social media is incredible. I mean, um, before the advent of social media, it was all about just uh, packaging the tape in an envelope and filling it and, and wishing your lucky stars that got to some record label or somebody that was important that can make moves in the industry. And uh, when, when uh, social media came, especially MySpace, and they created that player, um, it really did help a lot of, um, you know, a struggling musicians who, you know, had some music that they believed in and, and they felt that they just couldn't quite get the ears that they needed to hear their music. And um, I just felt that, you know, it was a great invention, especially, like I said, with the player that they provided. Um, and with that, you know, I just started getting people to listen to things and, um, you know, sure enough, some of the uh, right people who were influencers, you know, started checking it out. And I think um, the consistency was important because I would, you know, post tracks a lot because I'm a prolific um, musician. I just don't make joints like uh, once every two months or whatever. I, I'm, I'm always making songs. So even then I was. And so I would just throw it up and 
I wouldn't be afraid. I wouldn't be scared of how weird it sounded or, you know, if it wasn't the right kind of hiss uh, alleviated from it or, you know, that kind of thing. I just threw the tracks up and sure enough, the right people listened and um, it caught the attention of Wolf. And um, so he invited me out to a few things and, you know, chit-chatted, you know, never tried to press my music on him because a little secret. You know, that's what turns off people, you know, when mm-hmm. you're in people's face, you know, you, you constantly nagging them about, you know, listening to your music. It, it just it just gives a bad taste to people because they're so busy and they have their own lives. And, you know, you have to realize that your life or my life is not as important as the person that you're trying to put your music in the hands of. I mean, mm-hmm. they have lives, too. And so it's a way that you, you know, present your music to somebody in an uh unselfish manner or un, or or untactful manner it, it's 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 got to be a fine line where you're not like a weakling but but also assertive but not rude and um so when me and wolf started kicking it you know and i would see him at different dj gigs and i would actually go support the gigs i wouldn't just go up there and like you know hope to get my demo in his hand and just slam it in his hand while while he's walking by you know, I would check out the show and, you know, check out what they're doing, soak up the energy of the vibe of the of the venue. And uh, when the time was right, you know, I would bring up the conversation, you know, like, uh, yeah, I appreciated you liking some of that stuff on MySpace. And the uh, conversation went from there and, you know, it just turned into offering a remix on a cat named Baron Zinn, who uh, had an album out already called At The Mall. And it was time for some remixes to be submitted. And uh, and just by re- common respect, you know, with each other, he was like, man, I like some of that stuff. You're interested in the remix, you know, and that's kind of like where you got to start off as is just doing remixes or things like that, because some people think they could just jump out with a 12 track project and get it picked up with somebody. And it's just it, it, at least then I give you this and all the listeners, I give you this at least then around 2006 or seven. It wasn't as easy now. You know, you got people walking around and they'll listen to my advice and they'll say, oh, shut up. You know, not care about what you're saying. We're getting it now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not really about that still. It's all about having tact when you approach somebody that can do things for you. Because if you become irritated by somebody, like they say, first impressions are very important. And somebody, they just wouldn't f*** with you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? If you irritate them, you know, it's it's over. You know, so you got to be cool with cats when you submit your music or fast forward to 2016 when you send a DM to somebody. Just don't start talking about yo ass. Mm-hmm. You say hello. Hi. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate your work. You know, by the way, you know, I have something that you might be interested in. Maybe not. But um, check it out and see if you, you know, give it a whirl. You know, and at that end, you know, you just wait. Don't keep hitting somebody 10, 12 times. <laughs> By that time, you, you already done fucked up. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. So, you know, you've been, uh, you've been doing it. Straight up. Like you said, since 1987. So you had about 19, 18 years prior to really hooking up with Wolf and really uh, getting your name out there. Um, is this a lesson that you learned prior to 2007, 2008? Have, did you, yeah, did you ever that... try to push your music on other people and stuff like that? Well, mine is a different situation because I never really uh, approached any labels. I just, uh, I guess I'm one of those cats that might be afraid of rejection. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, even with ladies, you know what I mean? If I don't feel the vibe, you know what I'm saying? I'm not approaching first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just that's just me, you know what I'm saying? So I, I never tried to get the big meeting over at Warner Brothers or Columbia or some publishing guy or, you know, to sit there and be wagged a finger at. You know, I just, I knew what my sound was and I knew it was something that I liked. But uh, one of my things back then was hiss mm-hmm. on a lot of the recordings. And back then, um, nobody would even take you serious if there was any kind of hiss or cassette tape noise on it. So with that, I was like, you know, I just make music for myself. And I just work my day jobs. I work at the Red Cross, driving trucks, a graveyard shift after I graduated school. I worked uh, at Office Max. I mean, I did all kinds of stuff, you know what I mean? And, you know, I just kind of like, you know, but I, I always kept a job. That's one thing I always did because from the background I come from, you know, I watched my dad, you know, go to work every day with a briefcase in his hand and my mom walk out and, you know, uh, wish him a good day and come back home and tell, you know, the family about the day, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, my dad just wouldn't let me stay in the bed after 12 noon. That was no way happening mm-hmm. in that household. So, you know, with me, I just, you know, just continued to work and, and hope that one day someone would listen to my music. But eventually, you know, um, another thing that I did while I was in that process of working day jobs is um, I, I decided to take things into my own hands because in Los Angeles, this city and its scene is very hip-hop based or house mm-hmm. and when it came to funk it wasn't really a lot of venues or outlets that played funk in a concise and 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 um and, and um concentrated way so i decided to start a, a club after i was with another cat named billy goods who's still with me now funkmosphere he had a spot called um, Where the Soul Trees Grow, and that was playing predominantly more like a James Brown-style funk and like Boogaloo and 60s, 70s funk, like early 70s. And um, But I had met him in a record store called Record Surplus, and um, we were you know, looking in the uh, funk section, and we both were looking at some D-Train records on Prelude and things like that, and we were like, yo, I like this stuff, too. I say, I mean, I do, too. So, you know, he invited me down to play at one of his clubs that it was called Where the Soul Tree Grows, and you know, the, the audience liked the sound, the stepping up to the electric funk sound where mm-hmm. it was claps, drum machines, set bass lines. And I think at that point, you know, they, they, they've had enough of the James Brown stuff. You mm-hmm. know, they've had enough of they've had enough of listening to a tribe sample. They, they've, they've had enough of the, the old, you know, chicken scratch guitar funk. You know, mm-hmm. so it was time for some electric style funk in L.A. And from that night, um, you know, it morphed into something called 1983. We concentrated on that kind of fucking boogie. And then I was offering my own night. And, um, and, and, and there was in 2006, empty rooms at first, never gave up, made free CDs for people, never charged any money. I would make compilations of boogie joints and uh, just give them out. And so the CDs started getting around town. And uh, people started coming, and before you know it, I had KCRW sponsoring the night, and you know the the room was packed. And um, you know, and, and the, the lesson to that, and they're all the listeners, is that if you're in a situation right now in any city you're at, if that you're listening to this conversation right now, and you're trying to get on or do something with some other crew, start your own. Sh- Mm-hmm. that's the way you do it you take it into your own hands you become the leader don't become the or don't stay the follower you become the leader and the rest is history exactly man you were talking about uh boogie and just kind of like how 
the funk and soul, the James Brown funk and soul scene kind of played out in L.A. And Boogie became really prominent. And it's been really prominent over the last like 10, 15 years now. And it's kind of like a, a newer movement that a lot of younger kids, late 20s, early 30s are actually getting into for the first time. Um, I just want to ask you about the terminology because people throw the boogie uh, genre around. But as far as like when I talk to a lot of my elders, they say it was never called boogie. And, uh, yes. you know, so I don't know, maybe if you have some information on that, on just the terminology of the genre of boogie that we call. I do. Um, and I want to correct something. Uh, that style of funk never played out. It's a great club in L.A. if anybody wants to check it out called Funky Soul. It's uh, been over 10 years that they've been existing. Uh, and uh, it's just a night that uh, people who like that style go to. And what I would rather phrase it as, it's a choice that I created in L.A. So Funky Soul and clubs like that are still existing with great music, rare 45s, and Absolutely. things like that. But I just provided a choice for people to actually listen to Rock Bounce Skate from Von Mason and crew and not uh, only be dropped like one time in the night. Mm. So, you know, but that's what happened with that. But but going on to your question to answer it is, um, you know, Boogie was a term that was created by Norman Jay and uh, Des Parks in England. Uh, and, and the late 80s, um, this term uh, was uh, focused on a lot of like South Soul, Prelude, West End Records type of joints that uh, were very uh, popular in the uh, UK. Um, and it was a music that, that we have already known in the U.S. We just called it black club music, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying, or post-disco. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, like Tom Tom Clubs, Genius of Love, or, you know, or even again, the, the holy grail of boogie quote unquote uh, or black club dance music is D trains you're the one for me mm -hmm. but uh, after that um, that term was really a UK term but then mm -hmm. it became popular in the US because um, it, it just kind of like from our cousins there you know from the DJs and, and connoisseurs and tastemakers there that were doing this stuff even on a radio station called 247.com that used to be on the internet at one point. Uh, it was a 24-hour radio station. A lot of people don't know about it, but um, they broadcast it 24 hours a day on the web. And, um, and it's a lot of the DJs there, they came up around the Norman J era, like 86, 87, playing these type of music and groups like Soul to Soul mm -hmm. and uh, that kind of thing, like Loose Ends, they were influenced by that era of music. Um, you know, groups like the Pasadena's and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, then they had the whole jazz funk scene, like Level 42 and um, Freeze, you know, jazz funk and boogie and, and those kind of styles are synonymous as one. But um, as the U.S., you know, got back into it, quote unquote, you know, we just picked up the boogie term because on eBay, um, a lot of sellers of the records were calling it boogie. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, and so that stuff started getting uh, bought and, and popular and, you know, and a lot of rare records were going bigger. And it all came from uh, the interest and a lot of the older uh, records that people were collecting as well. And, and, and Boogie, you know, that term really comes out of like a collector's uh, frame of mind. You know, if you remember the Soul Strap website, things like that that were going on around that time, you know, um, it, it comes from that, but yet still, I still call it a funk and, and, uh, and, 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 and black club music, you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. it's influenced by that style of music, yet still later on, 
I got kind of weary about the term boogie as well, so I started calling it boogie funk because mm-hmm. I didn't want the funk to be forgotten. And so the term boogie funk started coming along, and that's how I started making uh, you know mixes that were on Stone's Throw before I got like officially my first record out on there. Um, one of the uh, mixes I did was called uh, the boogie funk mix, or something to that to that uh, to that term but um it had a lot of stuff on there like antilles uh you know a lot of different um groups that i was putting on there star shines all i need is you and things like that prelude you know those mm-hmm. kind of labels so eventually you know um i had uh always you know looked out for funk you know what i'm saying because you know when you when you listen to groups like slave or one way i don't really think it's really boogie mm-hmm. you know and um so i created a term called modern funk and, um, you know, for everybody listening, you know, they can, you know, nod their heads or, or say, yes, I agree, or, or some can thumb their nose at me or not. But I, I was in my basement, little apartment building one time in the Miracle Mile area of Los Angeles, and I was scribbling on a piece of paper. And I was like, you know what, I see modern soul a lot, you know, on different collectors' uh, lists and eBay and things like that, people selling stuff, modern soul. You know what, modern funk is what I make. You know, because it's not retro funk. So I just mm-hmm. decided to call it modern funk. And, you know, lo and behold, modern funk is now a term that people can actually use. DJs, you know, connoisseurs, tastemakers, and when they put those records in their bag, they can at least thumb through their files and say, yeah, play some modern funk. And, and also, I wanted to do it in a way where I can give people a chance to eat out here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To, to actually be able to DJ. Um, another style of music, and not just only house, mm-hmm. not only hip hop, not only disco, but modern funk. And now it would hopefully inspire new musicians that can create funk in in a new way, and not be told that oh, you do funk all. That's James Brown. Mm-hmm. Get in the good foot. Yeah, it's not that. It's, it's such a funk. wide spectrum. You know, that's what's so exactly. interesting about it. Um, and modern funk is a, is an extension of like groups like I said, like Mtume. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to Juicy Fruit, mm-hmm. that's in no way an early seventies, late sixties funk sound. Right, but it's right. not straight up R and B. It's funk because of the. It funk to me is like I always explain is it's like a smile with a tear. When you listen to funk, it's not about just just party, 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 party. Funk is emotional, and it's like. Um, slaves, just a touch of love. Mm-hmm. That's not really a happy song. It's a groove. Right, it's a right. melodic song. You know what I mean? So that's where modern funk comes from. Uh, you being the leader, you know, or one of the leaders of, of the modern funk movement, do you think um, your music has laid the groundwork and influenced a lot of the um, future retroism that's coming back in the mainstream with artists like Bruno Mars and Mark Ronson and stuff like that? Do you think you... Uh, you've uh, laid any of the groundwork for people to capitalize off of that style? Well, humbly speaking, um, I've been told that, you know, um, I don't like to walk around with that uh, big um, banner walking around my neck or anything, you know, but it's like, you know, if, if we're going to keep it real, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, if, 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 some, if sometimes you don't own things in your life or, or own, you know how people say own it, you know, or, you know, whatever, it's like, some if you don't say it or or don't at least acknowledge some things, mm-hmm. then people will just run with it, and that's just the way that our generation is right now. See where I come from, Al is like people gave it up. They they actually gave credit to people. They didn't have any qualms about or walking away whispering like you know <laughs> I don't got to be saying 
everything. <laughs> we we just gave it up. We gave props. And today's generation, you know, um, and, and I don't even want to say a generational thing. It's just uh, the way people think mm-hmm. because of the circumstances and the way things are in our lives. Or everybody is get it, get it, get it, hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, it's like, or sneaky, sneaky. Mm-hmm. Um they rather not give props. So mm-hmm. when somebody drops a song with a clap in it that's louder than usual mm-hmm. or a, a bass line that's, that's, that's rumbling on a set and, you know, they put some, you know, melodic chords in it, you know, they, they just kind of like, you know, oh, you know, whatever. It's just, you know, I, I know that guy was doing it, you know, but I'm not going to say anything, you know, it's just like, you know, uh, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, like, again, how, Future, I'll just give you an example. Um, I'll take it out of the genres you can talk about, but Future and, uh, and, 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 um, and uh, Designer, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. If that happened when I was coming up, mm-hmm. if that happened, it would be totally panned, totally panned, A.L. But yet and still, this era that we're in, ah, so what? You know, whatever, so what? You can do better, Future. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like, no one cares. It's like you took the style of future, homeboy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like no one says anything. It's like so. And then the brother don't even like say, "Yeah, yeah, I just want to, you know, give it up to future." I really enjoyed his music, and he, you know, helped me inspire to come up with the style. Right. You know, right on. You know how much respect designer would get if he just said something like that, and mm-hmm. especially with his musical peers. Forget the audience for right now. Just the peers, mm-hmm. at least, just say something like that. Damn, you know, hey, thanks a lot. I mean, I was really influenced by the sound you did last summer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, now I'm winning with it, and man, give it up the future. Bye, bye, bye. But mm-hmm. but no, no one does that. So to come back to the question and answer for you, it's like I do see it going on, and I've even had people create memes saying, "Don't ask, stop asking Dame Funk about Bruno Mars." Mm-hmm. I I've laughed at it, you know what I'm saying? But you know, it's like, and I even followed it up with a tweet that said, um, "You know, look, I'm not mad. Everybody's here." enjoying the music and i'm glad that bruno mars is at a level where he can actually uh spread the interest mm-hmm. in funk even though the whole album isn't funk bases i listen to it as some new jack and has some slow jam joe right. stuff and what have you i feel every uh, musician should listen to everything that's out there and pete just don't ignore the projects check it out mm-hmm. because if people are tapping you on the shoulder on twitter like yo somebody sounded like you're ripping your shit off i'm just like let me at least check it out so to be fair and clear the air he's not ripping me off you know what i'm saying i don't think he's ripping anybody off he's just a happy guy who's influenced by the current era of music right now that funk is finally acceptable to more people now and not laughed at as jerry curl music as they used to whenever anytime they saw roger on a on mm-hmm. a talk box you mm-hmm. understand what i'm saying yeah so it's like you know that's that's how i feel about it i feel that you know there's no hate in my mind because i know that the truths out there they know who was doing this, and they know who was making the free CDs, passing them out. They know who was at an empty room at a club, and then all of a sudden it got packed years later. And they know who made these boogie funk mixes, and they know who actually only the only guy that's beyond Dr. Dre who produced an entire record for Snoop Dogg, not bending my style, but I stayed funk. Mm-hmm. Those kind of attributes, I think, should be respected by anybody listening without even... Uh, beating a dead horse. I just feel blessed to be in the in the game, and and I feel honored to be a part of a small brick in the wall 
to represent funk. And, and when you have cats like Junie Morrison that I speak to on the often, who was actually the instigator of G-Funk, who actually played the synth sound on Funky Worm from Ohio Players, mm. and actually was the band director and producer for P-Funk, who I speak to every day, and actually did the intro and outro on my loosely and um and 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 not listen to much release that was a three record set called invite the light you know when when you in touch with cats like that you know um i appreciate it i don't need a grammy i don't need an mm-hmm. award because junie and people like snoop and people like that 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 really show me love and steve arrington that's all i need man and the audience that supports me to this day do you ever deal with people who don't understand that you're content with that level of success where you don't need to go and get a Grammy and be in the halftime show and stuff like that and try to push uh, or suggest an idea that just doesn't fit your overall mission and goal? I do. I mean, sometimes I look at it, but I look at it like this, man. From everything we've been seeing, what Kanye's been going through, mm-hmm. God bless his soul. You know, um, I, I never want to be that popular. You know, mm-hmm. I already turned that button off years ago. It's like I consider myself to be in a league, or excuse me, wrong word. I consider myself to be inspired by careers like Frank Zappa's mm-hmm. or Todd Rundgren or mm-hmm. Larry Hurd or AKA Mr. Fingers or Juan Atkins or even the Egyptian Lover. You know, there's people, these people are respected by their peers and respected by the people who really dig their music. And, you know, I don't necessarily need to be walking down the aisle to accept a Grammy. If it happens, cool. You know, but I'm not, that's not my inspiration to make music because I already know that in order to make that kind of music that's accessible to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you have to change something inside your aesthetic, the way you approach music. And, Going back to all the way when I was working day jobs, never approaching any major labels, I'm still that same person. I just feel glad and comfortable to be able to still do shows. Just got back from Dubai. You know, there's some people that have never even seen Dubai that are way more known than me. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting booked for gigs out there to do 45-minute sets and coming back with some chump change in my pocket. You know, what else could I ask for? I'm mm-hmm. just... Glad to be alive and glad to be still representing funk without selling out. Nobody's touched my booty cheeks in this hmm. industry yet, and they won't ever. Nice. What are what? Are, what's like your secret to re- remain positive? You know, be you know. Obviously, the music industry could be very cutthroat, and uh, you know, if you have any secrets to just remaining positive, you know, in the industry dealing with you know wolves, you know, being the sheep would, amongst wolves, right? I understand. Um, my advice would be just to stay yourself, man. You know, it's like, don't let people gas you up. You know, um, stay you. Remember when you were a kid. Remember the times that you were standing in front of a mirror with a broom in your hand. You know, remember the times that, you know, you were catching a bus with your Walkman on or whatever iPod it was or whatever it was. I mean, and just remember the dream that you had and, and just remember that, you know, you don't have to always try to get more, 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 more. It's just get in the comfortable lane that, that you feel that you can still have your integrity in and be able to go to bed and sleep at night, you know, wake up with a grin in your face and knowing that you just haven't sold out. And, you know, I've seen musicians, uh, you know, I, I just think I just heard uh, a, a, a interview with um, um, uh, Weekend mm-hmm. and uh, they asked him something about like, um, maybe like uh, worry about selling out. And he's like, uh, I want to sell out. Right. And I'm sorry, to each his own. You know, I, I'm, that's just not me. I, I don't want to sell out. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't want to 
do the next style of music that's popular right now or switch up my stuff because I'm a commodity now. It's like, I just want to go out and, and like I said, you know, just, uh, you know, I, one of my heroes is a cat named Patty McAloon. All your listeners might want to check out a group called Prefab Sprout. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not funk. It's not soul. It's not anything. It's just Prefab Sprout. It's just Patty McAloon music. And it's like he's one of the greatest songwriters alive today in the UK. And his output of music in his catalog under Prefab Sprout is fantastic. He's not known. He's not a superstar. But the stuff is top quality. AO is top quality music. It's like it moves you. It triggers heartstrings. And and his people who who are into his music are devote devoted to his his music and and they get anything that he drops and and that's the kind of career that I that I would like and would love to continue to enjoy and um that's pretty much it man I'm just Damon you know um and I'm 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 known as Dame Funk because cats used to call me Dame when I was a kid added the funk at the end because I've vowed to represent this music and mm-hmm. so far it's almost 2017 and I'm still doing it big ups to you man killing it thank you brother I appreciate it cool man well um any last words or anything before we wrap this interview up I just like to say much love to Denver it's a great city I've been there a few times and, and I appreciate you and the crew and everybody uh allowing me to come through and uh, play some music for you on the 10th and um yeah you know I'm just looking forward to continuing this music and new albums coming out uh, repairing a really um, a, a real album, you know, like a release. Because this year, you know, I, I did some compilations, uh, one for K7, um, which I'm really happy about. I, I shared, you know, other artists this time, not just thinking about myself, cats like Moon B, um, L33, and even some older uh, material that people might not have heard of. And that's on K7. It's called DJ Kicks. And, uh, and also, I have a new label. It's called Glide Zone with a Y. And, um, I'm happy about that. It's a collaboration with uh, Night Jewel, who has a great career herself, and uh, we go by Night Funk. So along with those things and a few other 12 inches out there, I I took 2016 as a year to kind of recalibrate and just watch everything. But 2017, I'm going to go to San Francisco and uh, record a a proper new album. So I hope everybody checks it out and doesn't let it get uh, um, uh, avalanched by all the other releases coming out. Mm -hmm. Just give me a shot. You know, a brother that's been staying true from the beginning. Absolutely. Cool, man. Thank you so much for your time. Much love, A.L.